We're going to continue on in our series on Teach Us to Pray now, part four, and we're continuing to talk about the Lord's Prayer, which is found on the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's also repeated by Jesus in Luke chapter 11. And here, Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, he's been sharing with us what a prayer sounds like, what a what, what does it contain for a person who has a close relationship with God? And he starts out by really sharing about having the highest respect for God. When he said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all of that part just focuses in on putting God where God belongs. And that is on the throne and having him above all things. And then he moved on and we talked about how we should surrender our daily dependence on God for our physical needs when he talked about, give us today our daily bread. And today we're going to take it on to a next step, which is to surrender to God our reliance for God for our spiritual needs. When Jesus gives us this line, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Or actually, in Matthew 6, he words it a little different. He says, and I'm going to read verses 12 and then 14 and 15. He says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then he says in verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's actually the Luke 11 version that we have the words, forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. For many, this is the most challenging part of Jesus' teachings. And it's a very challenging lesson. It's a challenging lesson for me to give because I know when we start talking about forgiveness, it's a very deep subject. There are very deep waters, and there's a lot of emotions attached to that. But I just want to encourage us all, let's hear the words of Jesus. And let's really think through what it means, not only to have him forgive us, but for us to forgive others. To, now, to be clear, we rely on God and God alone for the forgiveness of our sins. His work, which was inspired and motivated by his love through through his one and only son, Jesus, he offered us the opportunity for forgiveness and reconciliation. God forgiving us is central to our relationship with him. Without, without Jesus, without grace, without sacrifice, without forgiveness, there is no relationship. There's only God's love left empty and unrequited by an ungrateful child. We thank God for his forgiveness. We rely on his forgiveness. We come together today to virtually celebrate that forgiveness. And as we do, Jesus reminds us that that forgiveness does not come without expectation. He says something that can seem very harsh. It's very straightforward in Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15, when he said, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Yes, there are expectations. Yes, there are responsibilities. And how we treat others, 
and how God treats us, those two things are tied together in many, many passages in the New Testament. It's all over the place. And that person who says, you know, my relationship with God, it's just between me and God. Me and God, we got our own thing coming. To say that means you don't really understand that God has a great big family and He cares very deeply about how I treat that family. So deeply that Jesus says as part of His teaching on prayer, as part of His teaching on our relationship with God, He says, if you don't forgive others their sins, the Father won't forgive you your sins. And then just a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, before he, he finishes that Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, he reiterates this point when he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. The Apostle Paul said in both Ephesians and Colossians, he said, Forgive one another just like the Lord forgave you. And the great Apostle John, in the letter that we call 1 John, in chapter 4, he shares this point when he says, For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command, Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I think Jesus' greatest and, and at least clearest teaching on this principle came much later in Matthew chapter 18. And he was being asked by his closest disciples about forgiveness and how many times they need to forgive uh, someone when they sin against them. And Jesus tells this parable in, in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. It's a, it's a long reading, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to paraphrase or just share the story of the first part. Then we'll pick it up a little bit later at the end. But it's the parable of the unforgiving or the unmerciful servant or master. And what we have here is this story about this, this master, this ruler who had a bunch of servants. And this one servant, we'll call him servant number one. He owed the master what has been calculated as millions of dollars. And he called him in to collect the debt. He says, pay me what you owe. And the guy couldn't do it. He, he didn't have the money. And the master said, fine. You know what we're going to do? We're going to sell all your possessions. I'm going to take everything you've got. We're going to sell your wife and your children into slavery so you can pay me what you owe me. And the man fell on his knees and he begged for mercy and he begged for time and he begged for patience. And the master had mercy on him. And he said, you know what? I'm canceling your debt. You don't know me anything. And so servant number one was grateful and he got up and he left. But a little bit later, he bumped into another servant. We'll call him servant number two. And servant number two owed servant number one, what, five, ten bucks. Not, not much at all. And the guy said, pay me what you owe me, bud. You owe me this money. Let's get it going. And the guy couldn't do it. He didn't have even that little bit amount to pay him. And servant number one got angry and he said, you know what? He grabbed him and he threw him into prison. He said, you're going to stay in prison until you figure out how to pay me what you owe me. Now, all the other servants that were around saw this and they couldn't believe it. They said, wow, after what the master did for you, 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 you did this to this guy? And they told the master what happened. And the master called servant number one back in. And here's where we're going to pick up in verse 32. He says, when the master called his servant in, he said, you evil servant, you begged me to forgive what you owed. And I told you that you didn't have to pay anything. 
I had mercy on you. You should have had the same mercy on that other servant. The master was very angry and he put the servant in prison to be punished. And the servant had to stay in prison until he could pay everything he owed. The king did what my heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The NIV version, the one that we're more comfortable with, says in verse 35, This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you if, unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. What I believe Jesus is trying to, to get us to see, this, the point he's trying to make is, is like, look, you're in the same situation as servant number one. We owe God more than we could ever repay. We owe God more than we could ever pay back. And he forgive us. He forgives us this insurmountable debt. But then he expects us to respond to that love by passing it on to others. To Just like he gave it to us, we give it to others. The same measure of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. God's greatest gift he can give us is forgiveness. And without it, all relationship is lost. You know what? Forgiveness is the greatest gift we can give one another. And without it, all real relationship is lost. But it's hard to do. There's a saying that says, Living with the saints above will be heavenly glory. But living with the saints below is an entirely different story. That's because forgiveness is hard to do. Why is that? Well, perhaps it's because we misunderstand what forgiveness really is. And with these misunderstandings, we think there's no way I can do it. There's no way I can forgive like God forgave me. Only God's capable of doing that. Well, let's start out by trying to really understand forgiveness. And we're going to start by discussing what forgiveness is not. First of all, forgiveness is not approving of what someone else did. God forgives, but he hates sin. He never, never approves of the sin. So when God forgives us, it doesn't mean he's approving our sin. And when I forgive someone else, it doesn't mean I'm approving of what they did. Forgiveness is not excusing or justifying what someone else did. In Scripture, basically from Genesis chapter 3 on, which coincidentally is basically from when human, mankind, starts getting involved, from that point on, God starts exposing sin. He doesn't make excuses for it. He doesn't justify it by saying, ah, you know, that was wrong, but I understand why you did it. It's no big deal. He always exposes sin, and he never covers it up or covers it over. Forgiveness is not denying or forgetting about what someone has done. Now, this is a, a touchy point because sometimes we talk about how God forgets our sins. Look, we're not called to live in denial of the past. We're never called as the people of God to repress the past or anyone else's past. Now, hear me clearly on this. God does not forget our sins when he forgives our sins. What he does is chooses not to hold, uh, hold it against us or relate to us on the basis of our past. God's not remembering our sins. And the passages that say he will remember our sins no more, it's not what we usually think about of forgiveness. I'm sorry, forgetfulness. God's omniscient. 
He knows everything. He doesn't forget anything. And it's not like I know something God doesn't know because I can remember my sin, but God can't remember. That doesn't make sense. He knows. However, he can choose not to recall something. In, in, in human relationships, we can choose to remember an offense that someone's committed, or we can choose to forget that offense, to forgive someone, to put those painful memories out of our minds. Now, we don't actually forget the sin, and it's not that we're unable to recall them, but we choose to actually overlook the sin. And if you think about it, that's actually more powerful. Have you ever been in the situation where, where someone's come to you and they're apologizing for something and you don't even know what they're talking about? You're not holding anything against them. You don't even know them. They're saying, oh, I did this and I did this and I'm sorry. I need you to forgive me. And, and you don't even know what they're talking about. You have nothing against them and you go, okay, yeah, I forgive you. How easy is that? You don't even know what they're talking about. But when you do know what they're talking about and you felt the hurt of the offense, and then you choose to forgive. That's so much more powerful. And that's the way it is with God. It's not that he doesn't remember. He decides, I'm not going to, I'm going to treat it as if it's never happened. Forgiveness prevents us from dwelling in the past and living in the past. Another thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not uh, refusing to take sin seriously. God never buries his head in the sand when it comes to sin. Jesus didn't turn a blind eye to the sin of those around him. They take sin seriously. Like, for instance, when the guy helping out, remember, with the Ark of the Covenant, and it was about to fall, and he reaches out to, to, to settle it. Now, we could look at that and go, oh, come on, God. I mean, what, was he going to let the Ark fall in the water? They're crossing this ravine or whatever. I mean, he's just trying to help out. But it was sin. And God takes sin seriously. Or the time when Peter was trying to tell Jesus, Hey, Peter, we're not going to let you die. We're not going to let you let them kill you. And Peter and Jesus says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, yeah, Peter, it came from a good heart. It came from a good place. He's just trying to defend Jesus. Now, he didn't understand. In doing so, he was actually going against the will of God and the plan of God. And Jesus took that seriously. So forgiveness does not mean that we're not taking sin seriously. Also, forgiveness is not, it's not pretending that we're not hurt. When you look at Genesis 6, 6, and God is looking down on mankind and looking down at creation, he's looking at all the sin that's going on, it says his heart was deeply troubled to the point where he's saying, man, I wish I hadn't even created man. He still loved him, but... The pain and the hurt that he felt of what was going on was deep. And yes, he's forgiving, but it doesn't mean that each and every time we sin, it doesn't hurt God. It doesn't cause him pain. Forgiveness is not pretending that we're not hurt. And then also, just to really to take this even further, forgiveness does not mean all consequences are canceled. Someone can be forgiven for the crime, but they still got to do the time. Moses was forgiven for striking uh, the second rock instead of speaking to it, but he still was not allowed into the promised land. See, it's very, under, it's very important to understand what forgiveness is not. 
It helps us to have faith that we can forgive. We can indeed forgive as the Lord forgave us. When we understand it's not those things. But that's enough of what forgiveness is not. What is forgiveness? How do we forgive others as the Lord forgives us? When we say forgive us our sins as we forgive others, I want to understand what forgiving others really means. First of all, we got to understand that the type of forgiveness we're talking about here, well, it's the type of forgiveness that cannot come without the cross of Jesus. The cross is the grounds, it's the basis of God's forgiveness for us. And from that forgiveness, our own forgiveness must flow. It's not just forgiveness because we're just good at it, we're just magnanimous. It flows from our understanding of how much God has forgiven us. That's what motivates it. So number one, as we talk about what forgiveness is, forgiveness is an act of grace. Because there is nothing we can do that will earn forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of grace on the part of God to any individual he sins. And if you planned to earn your forgiveness, if that's what you're trying to do, then that's not if forgiveness is all. Forgiveness is the canceling of the debt. If you're trying to earn it, then what you're trying to do is pay the debt. And Jesus said, forgive us our debts, not be patient with us while we pay our debts back. See, that's our judicial system. And our judicial system is not about forgiveness. It's about paying your debt to society. You commit this crime, this is what you have to pay, either in fines or imprisonment. And once you pay that debt back to society, you're set free. That doesn't mean you're forgiven. It means you've paid the debt. So we can't confuse. Forgiveness is an act of grace. So let me say this to everybody. Forgiveness is not earned. It's an act of grace. And if you're striving to earn someone's forgiveness this morning, you never will. You can't get forgiveness that way. I don't know what you'll get. You may get something, but it won't be forgiveness. You can't earn forgiveness. And if it's on that basis of which you're offering forgiveness, then what you're offering is not forgiveness at all. It's an act of grace as we rely on God's grace expressed in the cross. And remember, grace is not cheap. Grace comes at a cost. It cost God his one and only son. It cost Jesus his very life. And it will cost you and I as well. Oftentimes when we forgive someone, it it comes with pain because we're letting something go. But it's an act of grace. And because it's on the basis of God's grace that he forgives us, it's also on that same basis of God's grace that we forgive others. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness is an act of grace. Number two, forgiveness is an act of the will. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. These words were spoken while Jesus was hanging on the cross, looking down and thinking about the people who had just put him there and the people who had not just physically put him there, but screamed and cried for Jesus to be put on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them 
for they don't know what they're doing. That was an act of Jesus's will to forgive from the cross. And it wasn't about his feelings. The challenge is, is that when we've been hurt or when we're frightened, our, our feelings are then motivated by pain or motivated by fear. And the pain and the fear are what's motivating and not the grace of God and the forgiveness we've received. So we got to understand that my forgiveness might not be motivated by feeling. It needs to be motivated by grace and me acting on that and making a decision. Don't believe the common assumption that mixes feeling good about something with forgiveness. I'm very confident Jesus didn't have good, fuzzy, warm feelings about those who were killing him when he asked God, Father, forgive them. Good feelings and forgiveness do not always go hand in hand. Sometimes they do, amen. And when they do, it's a lot easier. But sometimes they don't. But we're still called to forgive because forgiveness is a choice. Feelings, feelings oftentimes, they're not a choice. They just kind of happen to us. God chose to forgive us. Now, yes, it was motivated by love, but it was a choice to forgive. It was an act of his will. And forgiveness must be an act of will. It's an act of grace. It's an act of will. And number three, forgiveness is a promise that we will no longer relate to someone on the basis of his or her past. Now, please hear me out on this. I'm not saying... It's the same thing as saying the past doesn't matter. It's not saying that I have not been hurt or that it doesn't have consequences for the present or the future. Let me give you a biblical example of that. I mentioned it earlier before when I talked about Moses. This is in Numbers 20. And at one time, Moses came to a rock and they were needing water out there in the wilderness with Israel. And God said, strike the rock with your rod. And he did it. And the rock came forth and blah, blah, blah. And, and that was great. And then a little bit later, it happened again. But this time, God said, I don't, I don't, don't strike the rock. Speak to the rock this time. But Moses, for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't really even tell us why he didn't. He did it like he did it the first time, and he struck the rock with the rod again. And God says, okay, bud, why didn't you obey me? Why didn't you do it the way I told you to do it? You disobeyed me. And I believe God forgave him of that offense, yet the consequences were, you don't get to go into Canaan with the people now. You don't get to go into Canaan. I mean, God, this is why Moses went into Egypt to bring them out and to take them across the Red Sea and to do all of these things and went up on the Mount Sinai and they're wandering around and they're in the desert. Why? So we can go into the promised land. But Moses, you don't get to go now. And we see later that the most he could do is go up on this mountaintop and look over into it. And yes, God still loved him. And yes, God forgave him. And I believe Moses is in heaven. The Bible says God even buried him, took care of him when he died. But he still had consequences for his sins. He still led Israel. God didn't hold it over his head the rest of his life. But there were consequences. When we forgive... We're saying to them, I'm not going to relate to you on the basis of your past. I'm not going to hold your past over you like the sword of Damocles with this impending doom. But there are still consequences. 
We may ask the question, well, what do you do when you've forgiven someone, but their, their behavior shows they haven't changed? They haven't repented? Then what do I do? Someone may be forgiven, yet they still have to show great changes in growth before we will allow them back to an intimate role in our lives again. See, listen to what I'm saying here. When God forgave David of his sins of adultery with Bathsheba and then the murder of, 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 uh, of her husband, David could be forgiven of that sin, but he still had to deal with the consequences of that sin. And honestly, he dealt with those for the rest of his life. Remember, forgiveness is not saying the past doesn't matter. It's not pretending that you're not hurt. It's not denying the pain. It's not repressing the memories. It's not, uh, hear God, it's not continuing in the past as though it doesn't matter or if nothing happened. What it's saying is like, I can, I can forgive you of your past sins. It's the Christ-like thing to do. It's the Christian thing to do. But we may have to, for our own protection and for the protection of others around us, I can't continue on an ongoing relationship. I can't continue on that ongoing intimacy with someone that has been forgiven. So please, don't confuse forgiveness with healing and restoration. Healing and restoration can and often does follow forgiveness, but that may take years to come to fruition. Now understand, there can be no healing and restoration without forgiveness. But forgiveness comes before the healing and the restoration. And true forgiveness, the forgiveness that God forgives us, longs for, is desperate for that healing and restoration. Just like God, when He forgives, He's longing for healing. He's longing for that restoration of the relationship. Forgiveness allows others to take uh, the opportunity to make the changes that they need to make to bring about healing and restoration. Refusal to forgive kills the opportunity for healing and restoration. This is one of the hardest lessons to learn about forgiveness because we all tend to hold on to the past. We all tend to have to really work hard at not bringing it up to, again. And this is seen so many times in marriage. And I want to say to the married couples, don't keep punishing your husband or your wife for sins of the past, whether they're their sins or other people's sins. It's like sin is this offense. It's, it's like a bell on the end of a rope, right? And every now and then you get a yank on the rope and you rattle that bell just to remind the other person, well, the bell's still there now. Don't forget, it's hanging there. I ring it every now and then just to let you know you owe me. But see, if we've forgiven, you let go of the rope tied to the bell. But if you've not forgiven, that bell's going to forever sound in your marriage and eventually... It'll destroy your marriage. So let go of the rope and let it forever fall silent. In forgiving others, we promise not to bring up again. We promise not to hold it against them. We promise to relinquish the right to punish or seek revenge for the, for the wrong. We promise that because of the grace of God that he showed us when he had a whole bundle of bells tied to a rope, the bells of our sin. He says, I'll never sound them. 
I'll never rattle them again. He knows they're there, but he treats them like they don't exist. He treats them like they're forgotten. I admit this is hard work. It's a daily and an ongoing thing. Forgiveness is not an easy undertaking. Well, sometimes it is, but the harder the offense, the more painful the offense, the harder forgiveness is. But it's what we're called to do. Because we know how much we have been forgiven by God through Jesus. At first, it's a decision. It's a choice. Because that's what God has called me to do. And that's what he's shown me he has done for me. But then, when through his grace and through others' repentance and time and change, the forgiveness is no longer an act of will. It becomes a feeling. It becomes an emotion. You don't have to try to choose to not remember the past anymore. It's just that that past is so far away from the reality of my daily present that I don't even think about the offense anymore. And that is true freedom. That is true relationship. And isn't that what we want from God? Isn't that what we want from our relationship with God? Really, isn't that what we want from our relationship with each other. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us.